Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 48 of A View to a Kaka Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger. Each week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Good, man. I'm relaxed. It's nice to be here. Good to be hanging out with you. Doing yeah. another one of these uh, live shows. Live and in person which at was, my place. At which your is place, which not... we uh, do not do a whole, whole lot. I always feel like this is our best work, Matt. I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but I feel... Well, it always feels more comfortable because it's us just sitting in a room talking to each other. Yeah, we're super good at that. We're like yeah. circus good at it. Oh, yeah. And so it's not like me staring at my laptop and like mm-hmm. listening to you on my headphones, yeah. which is also nice. Yeah, it does. It's just um, the vibe of it is not quite as good. Yeah. So uh, today... Listen, if there's, if there's two things we're good at... It's vibin', vibin', and chatting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, stay tuned for our next podcast project, vibin' and chatting with Matt and Dave. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have to really manage the search engine optimization on that one, <laughs> so we do not end up with weird hits. Um, speaking of hits, Dave, today we're watching a show with a lot of them. Tenuous, but I'll take it. Uh, it's episode 48 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger. It is called The Great Snow Woman's Snowball Fight. Sounds so, promising. Uh, I believe that it is. I have seen some stills. I have seen some snowmen. And boy, oh boy, I'm looking forward to talking about them. All right. Um, but before we get into that, Dave, before of that. course, uh, we must pass through the gauntlet. That is our, <laughs> is our opening segment. Our two-time award-winning opening segment, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What, oh brother mine, is that first star of the week? So our first star of the week is, it's Labor Day. This is another last-minute recording. If you're you're listening to it Tuesday, then you have producer Mark to thank, because that dude is a champ and got this edited this evening. Otherwise, it's Wednesday, and... uh, Guess what? It's still a free podcast, guys. Right. You go to pay for it. So, <laughs> well, because t- today is Labor Day and we have all been busy this weekend. Yeah. But let's, before we get into what we've been busy about, yeah. let's talk about Labor Day for a second. Okay. First of all, I love Labor Day. Labor Day is great. I am. I am a union employee yes. now. I, uh, I'm a union guy. And when I was younger, I was much more like, because I was in the brand of like young Republican and conservatism, right. kind of, I was like, unions are bad. And as I've gotten older, and even actually when I started working mm-hmm. in for unions, I was like, mm, I don't know. But then like the longer I work, the more like, no, this has gotten into a weird like political economic thing. But like I'm a lot more pro-union now than I used to be. Uh, which we mentioned because that's what Labor Day is a celebration. Yeah, yeah. Right? Labor Day is a celebration of like the worker, um, which we were talking earlier and you were saying... That means that, like, it should only be enjoyed by the worker. Yeah, I feel like if you are either management or capital, you should not be permitted to properly, like, celebrate labor. Like, listen, I mean, you don't need to go to work. Right, because nobody else is Because nobody be else there. is work. It is work. Nobody else is working. But you, you should not be allowed to, like, enjoy Labor Day. Right. You need, you should sit. No grill out for you. Yeah, you're not allowed to drink beers. You cannot grill. You cannot eat anything on a grill. You can't eat it with anybody. You can only... Like, you can eat fancy food. Sure. Like, you, you can, can eat really well. And drink some wine. Yeah, but you have to eat it at, like, a long table. Right, where, like, you're sitting at one end and maybe you're, like, distant, semi-estranged you're... spouse is at the other end of the table. Right, right, right. And you eat, like, super fancy food, but it doesn't taste great. You like, And you look out the window and you see, like, your workers and they're all, like, having a great time. And in your heart, like, you kind of want to join them, but you can't. Uh, and it has to be a day of, like, sad and solemn remembrance for you. Right. Because you lost something valuable when everyone else... <laughs> right. Everybody else gets the day yeah. off. Whatever. Dude, Labor Day is the opiate of the masses. Like, <laughs> listen. But I will, I will enjoy that very much. One thing that I do want to mention about Labor Day is that in Cleveland, oh, yeah. in Labor Day, every year, uh, almost every year, they missed a year a few years ago, um, uh, the Blue... Air Show. The, yeah, Air Show, the Blue Angels are here, which I love... Um, but what that means is that 
I live pretty close to where that happens, and we have been hearing them fly overhead all day. So if you hear some, like, weird screeching above us, that is what is going it's on. It's cool. That's the sound of freedom, friends. And yeah. Yeah, so don't worry about that. We're not going to... You know what? We're not going to edit it out. We're going to leave that in. You get to hear those crazy jets, because they're uh, disconcertingly loud. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually going to happen in the next hour, because I don't know when the show starts. But if you do... Uh, just quick public service announcement. Yeah, so happy Labor Day, everybody. Hope you enjoyed yours as much as we are enjoying ours. Now, Dave, what is our second Star of the Week? So, second Star of the Week, Matt, is that we just cast, we not you and I, uh, my work, we just cast the fall musical. Oh, nice. Yeah, that would have been very strange if I was in some the, way involved yeah, that in the casting. Yeah, would have been if you were there for that. It would, uh, so, yeah, so we just cast the fall musical, and we're starting rehearsals this upcoming week, tomorrow. In fact, we're going to start our first read-through. And we're doing Shrek, Shrek the musical. Really? Yeah. That big green boy. Yeah, that the just the biggest greenest boy. That's <laughs> not true. I think Godzilla is probably. So yeah, we're doing Shrek the musical, which is okay. It's a like it's a really fun show. Okay. And it's got a lot of name recognition. Sure. And also, we used to we haven't done it the last few years because we had a new choir guy, but we used to bring all the middle school and elementary schools up to be like part of the musical. Oh, nice. And they would get up and do a little number, and their parents would clap. It was great. But we haven't done it because the guy was new and he's like getting adjusted. But we're doing it again this year. Okay. And Shrek is like a great because they've all probably seen it. Maybe Shrek is like twelve years old or something at this point. Dave, Shrek is a living franchise. I mean, I, there, I heard there's like a fourth Shrek movie. Dude, there might have already been a fourth Shrek That's movie. Too Although I might be thinking about the Puss in Boots uh, spinoff. Uh, of yeah. The, yeah. So, anyways, and that's a good show for them to like tap back in on. And Shrek is fun, but okay. So my part of the musical is that I do the acting coaching. Like, I'm not a vocal music guy and I'm not a dancer. I'm the acting guy. So anything that the students have to act out, Mm -hmm. that's, like, my... That's my zone Mm -hmm. of the show. And so it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy doing it. But as far as Shrek goes, it's going to be, I think, kind of boring... For me... Just because there's not a lot of, like, really intense acting going on in the Shrek musical? There's not a lot of really intense acting, and there's not a lot of space for, like, artistic interpretation. We call it uh, dramaturgy. Uh, There's not a lot of space... (laughs) Is that what you call it? That is what we call it. There's a whole thing. And so there's not a lot of space for me to say, like, oh, well, what if you... Hmm, what if you tried it like this... Because if you tried it too differently, it's just no longer Shrek. Right. <laughs> it's like, did you see Shrek? Just go, just go do, do that thing. Just right. go, just go do the Shrek thing. Everybody's seen Shrek. Everybody knows what it's supposed to look like. So just do Shrek. It was very popular. Just do the donkey bit. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm just going to be doing a lot of like accent coaching. I think it's listen. It's going to be fun. I like working with the kids. So that is uh, that's the jam, man. We're we're going to get started, and then I am going to be in rehearsals basically from now to like. April. So, uh, what, Matt, is our third Star of the Week? Third Star of the Week, Dave, is this is why we were busy all weekend uh, and we're only able to start podcasting now, is because this was the weekend of our our annual get-together with our old college friends. Yeah. We talk about it every year on the show because... Every year that it happens, like, that's the important thing in our week that week. You might almost feel like you were there. Yeah. Yeah. And in an effort to help you feel like you were there, why don't we tell you a little bit about our weekend? Yeah, so we had a fantastic time, as always. Uh, Our friends, they all listened to the show, I'm pretty sure. Guys, it was a delight to see you. And we just, listen, if you have, we started doing this because we were all super good friends in college, and then we all graduated. We sort of like lost, not like lost track of each other. Like we still had contact info and everything, but we just didn't see much of each other for like three or four years, I think, after we graduated. And we just decided one year that that would not stand. Right. Like, basically. It's no good. And so we just said, like, okay, well, like, minimum once a year, we are all going to get together. Kind of come hell or high water, we're going to make this happen somehow. Right. And we haven't missed a year since. This was the first year that we were a little bit like, ooh, I don't know. But we, we made it happen. And let me tell you, again, just like life advice, if you've got some friends, like really good friends that you've sort of like lost track of just because like you moved or whatever, like make the time. Make the time to get back on touch because this, hi- this weekend is one of the highlights of my entire year. Oh, absolutely. So we just, we get together. I actually hosted it this year because we yeah. had like some weird scenarios with the twins and everything. The twins are fine. It's just like taking them out. Of- Anyways. Yeah. 
So uh, I hosted this year, so everybody came and stayed at my place, which was awesome. And we just hung out and ate a bunch of good food and told stories and played games and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed each other's company. There's no jokes about that, yeah, guys. This is that's a, that's yeah. not a goof thing. This is just me like heartfeltedly sharing some some stuff that like is a real delight about my life. So that's kind of the rest of this is just sort of like one meta star where we're gonna talk about the con. So right. the focus of the con is well, it's hanging out. But like right. the secondary thing, the reason that the glue that binds our friendship together, uh, at least at the beginning, now we're just all friends, was games. We all love games. Like role-playing games, board games, video games. Yeah. We were all in like the gaming club in college. Yeah. And so we don't do, we used to do RPGs at the thing. We don't do it anymore. We don't play video games. So it's basically just a giant board game weekend. Mm-hmm. And we played a ton of really cool games. Yeah. So some games we had already played. One is uh, called Samurai Spirit. And it's a cra- It's like a town defense game. Well, okay. It's very specifically a like the Seven Samurai it's inspired like kind board of thing. game, except where all of you are playing. All seven players are playing one of the samurai. Yes. Except that also those samurai are like werewolves and were tigers and stuff. There's like a tiger and a boar and a bear and yeah. a fox. Well, and there, a there are and seven stuff. of them. We don't yeah, need to go into the full need. list. But dude, that game is a super super fun. And be almost cr- impossible to win. Crazy difficult. I've been playing that game for now. It's difficult to play frequently because you really de- do need seven people to play it well. But I think I've won that game maybe one time. It's yeah. it's so hard. I mean, honestly, uh, you, the listener, can probably go back to last year's episode around this time. And we probably played it last year, and we probably talked about not winning. Yeah, so that's a very difficult game. We also played a super new game, which you had played before, Matt, that I had not called Dice Forge. Oh, yeah. So here's the jam about Dice Forge. Um, it's sort of like a... It's it's one of those games where you get new sort of tools to collect new resources, then you use those resources to collect new tools, eventually trying to get victory points. Yeah, these sorts of games are usually played with cards, and this right. style of Dominion. Yeah, if you've played Dominion, it's that Sentinels kind of the of Multiverse, right. or something like that. This one is played with dice. Each player gets two dice, but the thing that makes this game interesting is that those dice are like modular, and you can pry the dice faces off of them. They're, they're each six-sided dice. So you like pry like the square face off of one of the sides of your die. It's like a Lego back there. Yeah, and like put a new one on. So as the game progresses, like you're you're creating your own set of power die. Yeah. It's um it's like such an imaginative and that's one of the things I love about games and game design is that you see a lot of people doing stuff there's like more or less takes on something that has been done before uh-huh. and a lot of the times it's very fun but this is a really unique like I've never seen anything like this and I feel like it's the sort of game that could only exist in the last couple of years because like if you tried to make this game in the 90s just like plastic molding was not that good yeah. and, and it would all fall apart every time you tried to do it and also this game has fantastic box design which I appreciate. Oh, dude, any game where all of the little fiddly bits go into the right spot and it all sort of locks itself in, I adore. Yeah, Lords of Waterdeep is like that too. Yeah, it's also a really, really good box. So we played Dice Forge. You just got a new game. I got a new game. Yeah, I got a new game called Unearth, which is like... The weird thing is if you look at this game, it, the aesthetics of it are almost exactly like the... Um, the mobile game Monument Valley... Oh, I've never played that. Oh, Monument Valley Rules. It's like a platform puzzler that's all based on, like, Escher-esque, like, perspective tricks. Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, but this game, it's all about, like, collecting old ruins and gathering resources from it to, like, build wonders to, like, rebuild your ancient civilization. No, it's super, super fun. Um, I could go more into it, but that would just be me explaining game mechanics, which would be super boring. Yeah, I'm sure there's another podcast out there that does that. So we did that. We played our annual round of the Baron von Munchausen game. Yes. Which we love. Uh, the Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. I feel like we're kind of like retreading old ground here. Yeah, a little bit. So we don't need to talk about it, but we did play it again, and it was just as great as it always was. Uh, yeah, like it's 
listen, dudes, uh, games are really fun. Those are some that you should try out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I feel as though we're not talking Hot a lot. Takes. Not a lot of jokes here in the uh, five stars. We'll get to those in the episode. Yeah, they're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I feel confident. So, uh, any other thing that we did at the con? Well, there's actually something that we didn't do at the con that we should talk about real quickly. Yeah. It's kind of, our schedule, you may have noticed, is a little bit off for this year. Yeah. Uh, we've missed a few episodes. Normally at the con around this time is when we release like our, our annual interstitial episode. Right. Because we're between seasons of Super Sentai. Right. Because normally, like, that's sort of when our, our first season started. All of the shows go about a year. And so we then, try to work yep. it so that we do our sort of interstitial episode. We actually usually record it at our get-together. Yeah, so this year, though... But yeah, but this year we got a couple episodes behind um, because of scheduling things. And also, like, Cockeranger's just really long. It's crazy long. Because uh, we're only at episode 48, I think. There's yeah. like another six episodes of this show. Yeah, and so, like... I don't want to say that like I'm ready to be done with Cocky Ranger because I am still liking the show. I am, but it is a little bit weird. It's, it's like weird. it's throwing off my internal clock. Yeah, there's this part of my brain that says like you should be done with Cocky Ranger by now, and the fact that you're not is kind of annoying. Yeah, no, that totally. And that there's nothing actually wrong with Cocky Ranger. Like it's not like Cocky Ranger got bad all of a sudden. No, it's just, I'm just yeah, it's now, just messing with my internal clock, and I would like things to be consistent, please. Like, we live in a universe of chaos, and uh, I would dig it if this part of my life were controllable. Uh, so we are anxious to start O-Ranger, but we are still grooving on Cocker Ranger for a couple of weeks. Yep. Oh, fifth star, we drank some Moxie. Moxie's a great regional oh, soda. Oh, yeah, Moxie's like this weird, it's flavored with uh, gentian root, and uh, a lot of people don't like it, but we happen to love it. It tastes like perfume medicine toothpaste, but yeah, in the but best like if that, possible way. Yeah, but in a good way. In a good way. My wife hates it. She thinks it's disgusting. Well, listen, a lot, a was, lot of people do. Right, I was drinking a can on the way over, like, to here, and she was like, what is that? Oh, it's your moxie. Like, oh, so, like, the very smell the of it. The smell of it really turned her off. And it's got a really weird color. It looks like very dark mouthwash. Um, <laughs> we're not describing this in a... So, apparently, the president of moxie has a rule when he's talking to people, and he says, listen, here's the deal. You have to drink two cans. Like, if at the end of two cans, or no, you have to drink it twice, like two separate times, removed by at least like a day from each other. And if after the second time you don't like it, you might not just like it. But like, you have to give it a second shot. Because it's so weird that people's initial reaction is like, oh, this is gross. And which was, Mm -hmm. my initial reaction wasn't gross, but I was like, oh, this is weird. And I am not sure if I like it. And then I had a second can. I was like, nope, I'm a fan for life. Yeah. It's amazing. No, I'm all in. You can't buy it around here, but... Uh, yeah, but they bring uh, some people bring it in every year for the con. So that's that was it. We had a fantastic weekend. We hope your weekend was also great. Uh, yeah, we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 48 of Ninja Sentai Kakarander, The Great Snow Woman's Snowball Fight. And we will be right back. Ninja, ninja! All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 48 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger. Uh, I was totally right about loving those snowmen. Yeah, I will also say, though, there was no, at no point in this episode, was there a snowball fight? Unless you consider giant snowmen to be two very large snowballs that are then fighting. Well, there are snowballs in the episode. Very, very briefly, right at the end. Oh, I missed that part. So, um, just before we even start this episode, Beth was watching it with me. Mm-hmm. And so, the first episode, like, it pops up, and the she's watching it, and the very first thing she says is, so is this, is this part two of an episode? And I just said, nope. That's just how Cocker Ranger <laughs> is. So, we open up on an ice skating rink, and there's a, I, I, first I think he's a Russian skater, because he's wearing that, like, giant silk blousey shirt. Yeah. You know, that sort of traditional Russian style Red, shirt. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yellow um, sort of like belt around his waist. Mm-hmm. No, it's just the 90s though. He is Japanese. And so there is a skater, yokai, clearly, who rolls up. You can just tell, like at this point, it's just very clear like who the yokai is. Well, are. I mean, she's not even pretending to not be a, like an evil yokai. Yeah. She's got like face paint in an evil monster-like dress. Yeah, so she rolls up, and she's an amazing skater, apparently. So they start skating for a second. By the way, they are skating to uh, Once Upon a Dream. Oh, yeah, I was not sure what was going on there. And so the guy just turns to her and says, Would you be my partner? 
And she's like, yes, I will, but I must warn you, I'm a very cold woman. And then they do, like, a little figure skating for, you know, like, ten seconds yeah, or something. Yeah, like, they vamp for a few seconds, and then she spins him away, and she uses freeze breath on him, and turns him into a very bored snowman. Now, let me tell you about these snowmen. <laughs> They're just very bored snowmen. That's what they are. <laughs> they are They are a two-ball snowman. Yeah. Not a, not a three. Not a three-tier snowman. This is, like, a... Bargain basement two tier snowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like they the faces on their faces and the buttons on their torsos look as though they were designed in Microsoft Word and someone was using like ASCII art to do it. Straight up, uh, they are not smiling. No, it's just a black line where their mouth should be. Yeah, I didn't say they are very bored snowmen. They're not interested in anything that's happening. So then we get just a lot of snowmen. We see a quick montage of this. Uh, her name is Yuki Ona. We will find out later. Yes. We see of Yuki Ona using her freeze breath on a bunch of people who are doing athletics. Yeah, we've got a kendo person, a jogger, a, right? a, a boxer, and yep. then a karate dude. Yeah, and she just. They're all very surprised. She does not do any of them the courtesy of like engaging in their sport with them, right, like right, she did right. with the skater. Maybe it's because he's sort of like a wintry sport. She was like, oh, maybe you get it a little bit. Right. Everybody else just gets freeze blasted. And they just turn into, again, they're not like frozen in blocks of ice. They are just transmogrified into snowmen. Yes, terrible cartoon snowmen. Yeah, so she's got five snowmen now. Yes. And so uh, we flip from there and we see a officer of the law. We see a policeman. Yeah. And he is definitely like the policeman in a small town, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like he is leaving home to go do some police work, but he's just like getting on his bike and like toddling down the road. Yeah. It's not like he's at the station or anything. Yeah. Officer Murata is his name. Yes. And so as he is leaving, his wife and two kids are like following him out. And his wife says, dude, isn't it your day off? It's your son's birthday. You need like you need to stay here and like hang out with your son on his birthday. And he says, "No, like I would love to and you're my family and I love you, but like I have a duty to the law and to the people of this town." Yeah, like he's this dude is like sort of a dork, but he's genuinely like brave and committed to his job. Yeah, no, Officer Murata rules. He is my favorite person in this episode, <laughs> hands down. So the wife says, do you still believe the stories about people being turned into snowmen? This is when we see Jiraiya conveniently like wander into the background. Yeah. And he just says like, like, he's like, I don't know what's going on, but like something is happening and I owe it to the people of this city. Like I must, I must leave and like investigate and find out what's happening. Right. So like, regardless of whether or not he believes that people have been magically transformed into snowmen, like... Five people just disappeared from town, and he is their police officer. Yeah, so he's like, you just... And his kids are... He rides away. His kids are furious. Yeah, they're like, Dad, like, I hate, hate you. you. You don't love us. You're you not missed inter- my skating recital. All this stuff. And so as he... But he leaves, Jiraiya overhears this, and he walks up to the mom and just, just kind of, like, starts digging for a little information. Right, and we don't actually see him get any of that information because we don't have time for that. This is my favorite part. This is one of my favorite parts of this episode because it's such, like, a low-level RPG move. Like, a... As though he's like a second level character starting in on an RPG adventure mm-hmm. where he's he's encountered what is clearly the story hook. Like he recognizes enough about like his situation to know like, oh, this is the story hook. Like this is the thing I need to go investigate. But he doesn't have any good leads. And so he just rolls up to the random townsperson that he has heard talking about the thing to ask them like, did you just say people are getting turned into snowmen? And so, like, we are not level two watchers, though, so we don't have to bother with this. Yeah, we yeah, are now we level forty-eight, cocky ranger watchers. Yeah. Um. And so we cut to Jiraiya, who has left this family, and for a moment you think it's just like in the park, and then as the camera sort of pans down, you realize that he is rollerblading. I would say he's park. moving, moving very smoothly through the park. And what he says is that the information he gathered is that, um. All of the young targets. people, yeah, like all the targets have been young people who were out doing a sporting activity alone. Yeah, so he has decided to basically like turn himself into bait. He's a young person. He's going to go out rollerblading. He's thinking about this when all of a sudden a second rollerblader skates in from off camera. They collide and like just flip over. 
and the camera pans back, and it is middle-aged Officer Murata, who has also figured this out and has turned himself into bait by dressing as like a caricature of a teenager <laughs> and going rollerblading. I have him in my ne- my notes as cool teen Murata. Yeah, except um, he doesn't know how to dress and he 100% does not know how to <laughs> rollerblade. Right. And so he's wearing like a million elbow pads and knee pads to try to like survive this experience. Yeah, so he... <laughs> so Jiraiya like... You know, accidentally knocks him over. He comes by and says, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, you're the cop. Like, I should help you. Yeah. And the cop then immediately thinks, like, oh, well, Jiraiya must be a detective sent in from the police station. We can work together. This is amazing. Right. And Jiraiya's like, no, no. He has that sort of, like, classic superhero moment where he's like, no, I can and should help you because you don't know that you're in over your head. But I also am not willing to explain to you why I'm the person to do this for you. And so he just says, no, I'm not a police officer, but, like, I can help you. Like, I, this is good. Like, I can help you. And Officer Morata says, like, no, you are not an officer of the law. I don't need your help. You should not be involved in this investigation. Right. Like, this is police work, and I am a policeman, right. and you are some dude. Because Officer Morata is a good cop and a straight arrow. Uh, I, I feel like in a perfect world, Officer Morata would have been played by Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah, no, you are you are correct. That is exactly who should have done this. So... I mean, he's Chinese and not Japanese. But, like, listen, we've... There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense in these shows. Listen, man, yeah. So then we... What happens is there's another woman, like a young lady, who's, like, jogging or something. She's a tennis player. Okay, thank you. She's, like, there. Yeah. Because she's not actively playing tennis because they're out on, like, the rollerblading trail. And as she is walking by... And you know it's the 90s because the park has a rollerblading trail. Right. The uh, Yugi Ona jumps out and tries to catch the tennis player. Yeah. With her icy breath. But Officer Murata, hero of the episode, like jumps in front of her. And so he takes the blast and is turned into a bored snowman. Yeah. Um, Which is amazing. Yep. He is amazing. The snowman form is... As always, beautiful. Yeah, so we find out that Yuki Ona used to be a, like, a mountain, mountain slash, like, mountain pass yokai. And so I guess if you, like, died from freezing in the mountains, it was because Yuki Ona had gotten to you. And so she is, here's her plan. Because, yes, yeah, she no longer does that anymore. Yeah, she can just freeze people wherever. And also, she has access to, like, the snow mandala magic. Yeah, and so we flash away and we see, and it's just it's just a giant snowflake where, like, the six points have been turned into little, like, deuses. Mm-hmm. Dei? What a, Diocese? Diocese? No, that's definitely a different thing. <laughs> and so, deuses. Let's stick with that. And so... I just say platforms. It's cool. Six <laughs> platforms. And on each... on She's like thinking to the future, I think. Right. She's imagining she's, what it's going to be like when she gets Officer Murata to like the last platform, forms the full circle, and then... Casts her evil, like, snow Snow. spell. Yeah, she says, this is the thing. This is incredible. When she does this, it is going to plunge all of the earth into, like, a snowy, hellish, like, eternal winter. Right, I'm super into this plan. So she says, I have to get the sixth. Like, I have to get the sixth snowman. And so, like, I've I've got it. And she's going to try and, like, get Officer Murata. Right. So, right at that moment... Right, Jiraiya's saying, like, no, like, you can't have him. And then and you hear Sasuke from off-screen going, like, yeah, that's right. And the other four Rangers just run up. It is yep. the first time we have seen them all episode. So, uh, we get a quick fight. It's a fairly nondescript fight, but there's one super cool thing that happens. Yeah, well, it happens a few times. Yeah, like, yeah. So, they don't... Sasuke does, but the rest of the Rangers do not hang it like normal... They are just all, like, mid-jump kick, and then they, like, flash with, like, a fiery spiral around them, mm-hmm. and then they're just, like, hanged mid- mid-kick, so they start the kick as a regular person, and then, like, by the time they hit the Dorodoro, they are 
transformed. Yeah, and it's it's very cool because it definitely gives you the vibe that like these are dudes who have been Cocker Rangers for a full year. Right, like now. they're doing it. Like they're really like they've leveled up their powers. They've got some at will stuff now. They're starting yeah. to abandon their foci. I know I'm mixing games here, but it's like, fine though. It's cool. You know it's what cool. I'm saying? So um, the officer Murata, like in the course of this fight, the officer Murata snowman just kind of goes rolling. Yeah, just starts to roll down the hill, just, and no one thinks to follow him in the moment. Yeah, which turns out uh, to be a problem. So. Then the fight's just over. Sure. And we see the girl, the tennis player. She's at the house of Officer Murata's family. And she says, "I it was so noble that your father... I guess she just recognized him and like knew, like, oh, that's Officer Murata. That's just clearly not a teenager. <laughs> right. And so she like went and found the family. And she said, your, your husband, dad... That's not a combo. It's sure. Just, like, he saved me. He saved me. It was so incredible. But, like, now he's a snowman and it's very sad. Yeah. Now, the rest of the Cocker Rangers are there. I'm sorry. The Cocker Rangers are there. That yeah. tennis player is not a Cocker Ranger. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not a very late game sixth Ranger. Yeah. And so the kid, the kids now, I guess, like, get it. They're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I never knew that, like, Dad was such an amazing police officer. Yeah, like, I always sort of, like, blew him off. It's like, oh, it's just Dad. But, like, now I appreciate him. I promise I won't, like, cry and complain when he misses my birthday anymore. Right. Please, please, please just go save my father. Right. It's because Officer Murata is also humble. Yes. <laughs> um, so, they, the Jiraiya comes up and he's, like, wrought with emotion. He says, just as your father has risked his life for, like, the people of this town, we will risk our lives to get him back. Like, we promise we're going to get your dad back. So they go out searching for the snowman that is their father. Yeah. So which, for some reason, is not just at the bottom, at the bottom of, the of the hill that it was rolling down earlier. Yeah. So we find out that they're not the only ones who are looking for him. Because we flash over to Daimo's floating skull palace. Uh-huh. And Daimo is saying to Yuki Ona, like, you can't find him. Like, where is he? Like, you should have kept track of him. I, I do not understand why he's not just literally at the bottom of the hill. So, and and then she says, if you can't find him, like the Mandala won't work. So can she, can she only make six snowmen? You know, I think that must be the case because I feel as though we have run across similar situations to this in the past and our headcanon for it is always just... Like her capacity right. to create she, snowmen is limited. Right, like she needs to make six I, snowmen like, for this plan... But she, that is all that she can do. She can only make six snowmen. It's like when um, that one of them brought all the ghosts back. Oh, yeah. And, and like, they like accidentally... It was five ghosts and one of them was right. granddad. It was, like, the wrong one and, yeah. Right, and, like, they couldn't just get another one without returning the first one. Well, I guess they... Okay, so the yokai are all, like, they've all been trapped. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, the last vestige of their power... Is like they're all using their last like blurbs. What well, no, if they got all their power back when the seal door opened? Well, they got what was left of it back. Oh, maybe. Like they got it back to be powerful enough to like cause some havoc. But that's why, like you know, they can only do a little bit. They've got this like one last shot of giantism, and then like they go down forever. So just man, just roll. I can see the doubt <laughs> in your face. I'm desperately trying to make sense of this show. Like just roll with me. Okay. So she can only make six of these. Snowman. So they have to find uh, Snowman Murata. Oh, but to help find them, Damao oh, yeah. enlists some backup. Yeah, he sends the flowery Kunoichigumi with uh, with Kuni Yukiona. Yukiona? Yukiona. Yukiona, yeah. So we cut back to the Rangers. They're still looking for this snowman. Yeah, yep, And yep. they have now entered a junkyard. Yep. Like an old, broken down car's junkyard. Yeah, and so they're they're all they're all together. Like they haven't split up. It's not so. It's not as though they've all split up. And this is the place where one of them is like, "Well, I guess I got to look somewhere that the other six aren't looking." I'll check like, the junkyard. I'll check the junkyard. No, all of them: the Cocker Rangers, the tennis player, I think, and the children. And Ninja Man, I believe. And nin- uh, was Ninja Man there at this point? I think so. If he's not, whatever. Whatever. But, they're but like, all... the whole group is together looking for this dad in a junkyard. Yeah. So as they're wandering around, Tsuruhime looks over and she sees something dripping from behind a car. And this is enough of a clue for her to investigate. Because nothing in a junkyard drips. No. <laughs> so she runs over... 
And of course it's Officer Murata. And he's like in between two cars wedged up on top of a third one. I just and like, desperately, I need to know what is going, like what was going on in the writer's head. Like, because I feel like they have to at least have a narrative. Like they have to have a complete narrative in their head. Yeah. That they're cutting down from to make this episode. And I need that interstitial piece that's from their head. As to how in the world we rolled from, like, the top of a hill into a junkyard. Now, do we think that perhaps... Is the junkyard just at the bottom of this hill? Maybe, or Officer Murata briefly had some, like, agency to move around. Like, he could, like, move his snowman body around a little bit. Maybe there was a magic top hat involved. Could be. There are a lot of parallels to Frosty the Snowman. Red Skelton, not one of them, sadly. Burl Ives... Burl Ives, not one of them. Is it Burl Ives? I thought it was Red Skelton. No, it's probably Burl Ives. Burl Ives, sadly, not one of them. Whoever narrates that thing, I love that guy. Yeah. So they they find Murata, and uh, he's melting. He's melting. Yeah. Because, okay, I don't know what winter in Japan looks like. I've seen documentaries... I feel like it largely looks like winter. Like there's snow and everything. Well, I think it probably depends on where you are in Japan. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's Japan a long is, place. It's a long, or it's of, a tall place. I guess l- however you want to think about it's it. It's largely like north south oriented. Yeah, right? so it can be very cold up in like the north, the part north of part of it, and then. <laughs> I paused as though I was going to remember what the northern part of Japan was called. I was going to say, Matt did just make a face as though he was about to drop some Japanese geography knowledge on us. Oh, Hokkaido is... Is Hokkaido in the north? I have no idea. Is Okinawa in the north? Okinawa is definitely not in the north. Definitely in the south. Whatever. So anyways, uh, I just don't... Like, he's melting. Murata is... And it's, like, very sunny, but I think it's supposed to be wintertime. Yeah. In any case, it's a bad situation for a snowman to be in. Yeah. So, Especially like, when that snowman is a real human person who has become a magic snowman. Yeah. So, they're like, we gotta get him out of here. So, they just pick him up, like, bodily. And this is the most structurally sound snowman I've ever seen. Right. Because they're like, just Se- holding him sideways. Because Seikai is holding the head, and Jiraiya is holding, like, the bottom torso part. And it's just sticking together right now the reason that they're running away is because at this point uki ona and all of the yokai minions have arrived to try to reclaim uh the officer i do know that you are phrasing your sentences matt such that you will not have to say the words flowery kunoichi gumi i don't know what you're talking about dave i can say flowery kunoichi gumi anytime i want to hey so they did so the the i just there are my notes is the kig so the kunoichi gumi are there uh they fight so uh, what happens is that some of the rangers play rear guard and jiraiya and seikai yeah run off with murata snowman right so they're running down the street until they find until they find happenstantially an abandoned like freezer truck but I, maybe they were just like maybe pulling the delivery out because the keys are still in it right the keys are still in the truck but no one is there jiraiya yeah. says like listen i'm sorry to the owner of this truck but like we like, have to take you are. <laughs> we're taking this truck so they open up the back they throw the snowman in they circle back around to get in the cab of the truck yeah but by this point the flowery kuchuini gumi nope uh Ichigumi. Uh, they all show up and Yukiona is there as Yukiona well. Yukiona is there. And Seikai is able to like sort of distract them yeah, enough like that Jiraiya is bit. able to escape. So Jiraiya is driving away and they're still chasing him. He, the truck like gets hit with ice breath. He kind of like gets run off the road. So he hops out of the truck. There's some Dorodoros there. Uh, there's a really good fight. It was a really good, like, Jiraiya unhanged fight. Oh, yeah. Which I feel like I would... I'd like more of that. So, he jumps out of the truck and he's fighting some... Just some Dorodoros. Some Dorodoros. Yeah. He is fighting them and then he, like, jumps up to the top, like, on top of the freezer truck. Oh, I don't know if you noticed this, Matt, how he did that jump. He jumps on a Dorodoro and uses its stomach as, like, a trampoline <laughs> to launch himself backwards to the top of the truck. Lands on the top, fights two more Dorodoros on the top. Yep. Uh, knocks them off, pulls out a couple of smoke bombs, throws them, them down the, at like towards the Dorodoros and Yukiono. Yeah, and then doesn't hop back down to the ground, but sort of like 
hops down directly from the top of the truck, sort of back into the cab. Yeah. Guys, it's again, I know we do a podcast. You're really missing out because Matt is miming this entire sequence. Oh, yeah. So now, normally, Dave and I aren't in the same room, but that does, like, that does not stop me from doing it. I'm doing a lot of, like, hand diagrams. <laughs> it's, like, for yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Trying to keep stuff straight. There's a lot that happens in this show, There's a lot happening. Dave. So the, he gets back in the truck and he, he manages to drive away. The Kunoichi Gumi, they try to explode the truck with some like ninja dynamite. Which sort uh, of like distracts Jiraiya a little bit, but yeah, not enough like to get he, him off track. Right. He, well, he drives like off road onto another space. Right. One of them then jumps down. I think it's two of them. Oh yeah, two of them. So two of them jump down. One of them is trying to like open the driver's side door where Jiraiya is. Yeah, and then the other one is kind of coming in from like, the other side. Right, coming in the passenger side door. So he is, he's able to, like, knock the one that's coming into the driver's side door off. Mm-hmm. So it's just him and the passenger side door. Flowery Kuno Ichigumi. Yep. Um... Uh, I'm going to be so glad when the show is done and I never have to say that again. <laughs> uh, but we get a really cool, like, in-car... Yeah, it's awesome. ...fight scene. They're, like, in the front seat of this car as it's driving and they're fighting and trying to kick each other out of it. Yeah. We were actually just talking about this. Oh, yeah. Because, well, we were talking about James Bond movies and how James Bond movies have... Um, they're always dated. They're always dated. Right. Because, like, they're always doing, like, something that's very, very cool at the time. But is not necessarily cool later. Right. And so one of the things that we were talking about that like they are probably going to get super into in the next couple of Bond movies is self-driving cars. Yes. And Now, so, to be fair, just so I'm not going to get any letters, I know that there was already the, rem- the remote control car in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, you know, Google-style driverless cars. Right. And so what we're going to see is, like... Bond, like, fighting a dude in a car while the car drives itself down a highway. Right, and it'll sort of be, like, a new version of the classic Bond fight on a train. Yeah, so... Which are, of course, always the best Bond fights. Oh my gosh, those are so amazing. So anyways, we get kind of this in-car fight. Yeah. So it's Jiraiya versus two of the Kunoichi Gumi. Uh, It's really, really cool. He gets knocked out of the car. Yes. Like, he loses control... Well, you know, not loses control of the vehicle like the vehicle flips over. Right. He is just... No longer in control control of it. Somebody else is. It's just not... He gets kicked out of the door. And immediately, like, he does not give up. He turns around and starts running after the truck. Now, normally what happens in a scene like this is that the truck drives away, and then, like, Jiraiya would sort of run run to a stop stop and then be like, ah, they got away. That is not what happens. Yeah, he makes what has got to be a solid, like, 120-foot jump. Just like horizontal jump to snag the back of this car. He's holding onto the bumper and he has a flashback to when he was talking to the children and saying that he would sacrifice his life to try to get their father back. Yeah, so he he's like being dragged along the back of the truck. Now at he this, has this point, flashback. cool music starts. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know when you're listening to an old western and like there's a bit of the soundtrack where the horns come in, but there's specifically like old western movie horns. Yeah, like hero hero horns. Yeah, like that's what's happening right now. It's mm-hmm. cowboy movie soundtrack. Because Jiraiya is. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, it's a nice like weird leitmotif. So he's being dragged behind this thing. He hears the music. And, and the music inspires him. Of course. And he, like, launches himself with his arms and, like, jumps to the top of the truck. And then he sort of, like, swings down, kicks them out, and manages to, like, get in truck of... Get in truck. Get in charge <laughs> of the truck again. Uh, we see that they rented a helicopter for, like, like one shot. We get this, like, one giant pan away shot. It was clearly, like, an aerial sh- pull uh-huh. away. Uh, I don't know why, because we haven't seen any other helicopter shots. Maybe they were using a lot of helicopter shots in whatever episode of Common Rider they were filming that week. And they were just like, we, like, have, we already rented the helicopter. Like we got Let's the just helicopter. send it over to Sentai. So um, he's back at the thing. Oh, and then his charger, his Doron charger, like it doesn't, it, the communication beeper beeps. So like the other Rangers are trying to get in charge of him. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we flip. Oh, the Kunoichi Gumi. They stop him again. Yeah, they like surround the truck. Yeah, which um, the truck is moving. So I don't know why he doesn't just run them over. 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that just seems like too brutal for Jiraiya. I, maybe. So they kind <laughs> like of... Like he'll hit you with a giant like robot and send a bunch of exploding tiny robot frogs out of the mouth of his giant robot frog yeah. to go mess you up. But he's not just going to hit you with a car. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they just sort of like get him out at sword point. Like they just basically hijack the truck and they drive away. So the Kuno Ichigumi now have the truck and Snowman Murata. Now, I'm sorry, we missed a crucial element here at one point. Hmm. Um, at some point, between the time that Jiraiya got the truck back and getting stopped again, he, like, pulled down an alleyway and was, like, sort of, like, getting away from them. Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did see that. And then it was when he came back out of that alley that he got surrounded and yeah. the truck was captured. So we go from there down to the quarry where the mandala is. Because mm-hmm. why not? I just, I'm out of jokes. I'm out of jokes for that one, Matt. <laughs> uh, they're just, they're in a quarry. This is, uh, I've got learned helplessness about it. I've given up <laughs> making sense of it or caring about it. They're just in a, they're in a quarry. So they've got the snowman set up. And Yuki Ona does what is the... Like, if I were running the LARP that she's clearly playing, I would make her do this ritual again. I'd be like, you clearly did not put in any thought. Um, your role play was bad. You had a cool prompt, but that's that's all the time you spent on it. So your magic doesn't work. It doesn't work because you did it lame. And now... That does actually happen because the magic the doesn't magic doesn't work. work. She just like walks around in a circle, like putting her head up and down, just saying like snow and hail, hail and snow, snow. It's super boring. Yeah. So, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The magic doesn't work, and she's trying to figure out. And the Kunoichi Gumi are there, and they sort of start like looking around at the different snowmen, and they blow on one of them. For reasons I don't understand. Well, because they put their hand on it and they say, hey, this snowman isn't cold. Oh, that's right. And then they blow on one and then the snowman glows. Uh-huh. Its face glows a little bit. And it transforms. And it's Ninja Man! Yeah, like it wasn't them, like it wasn't the cop at all. So he like jumps away and then the other rangers show up. And Yuki Oda is furious. They're like, ha, what, what's going on? And they say, ha! Like... Gotcha! Like, in the moment where Jiraiya was able to drive down that alleyway where you couldn't see him, we did a switch. And, like, we pulled the actual snowman out of the uh, back of the freezer truck. And we, we, like, stashed him someplace. Yeah, like, we brought him to a safe location. And now, like, we put Ninja Man in. Who does uh, Ninpo Snowman transformation. Right. Turns into a snowman. Dude, this is kind of the plot of, like, this is kind of the end movie, like, haha, gotcha moment from the fourth Fast and Furious movie. Which one is that? It's the one where they have the vault. Oh, the one down in Brazil, and it's like a fakey vault. Because yeah, they, like, yeah, it yeah, starts yeah. with the real vault, and then, like, halfway through the chase, they, like... That's right, they launch it up onto... Spoilers, guys. Yeah. They drag it up onto, like, a giant flatbed truck and have a replacement yeah. giant safe. So, it's... If you haven't watched Fast and Furious movies, like, what are you, what are you even doing with yourself? Yeah, just... Uh, I love this! I, like, I do. I'm so into this. Right. Like, because this is the second time in a couple of episodes that we've had, like, a super sneaky ninja plan. Yeah. And that, this like, time, they specifically mentioned, like, oh, this was Ninja Man's plan. Yeah, like, he, he came up with this one. Uh, Surihime is super proud of Ninja Man. So proud of him. As though Ninja Man is her son. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> at that point, now it's now we're fighting. We fight. Right. Everyone else sort of fights like in a big group. Yeah. But Jiraiya then goes and squares off with Yukiona. Yeah. And it's a really great fight. Yeah, it's pretty extended. It's like a solid minute, minute and a half. A maybe. lot of cool choreography. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go into like the beat by beat of this fight. But if you watch this episode, like, pay attention to it. It's very cool. Yeah, it's really, really well done. Uh, he does Rock Hell, which I don't think we've seen before. Yeah, we and, have. Oh, have okay. we, we? I don't think we've, we've seen ever seen hells. it worse. Yeah. Because the the time that he did Rock Hell before... Oh, they just had, like, reverse Rock It was reverse Rock Hell. I just hit him in the face with the boulder. So uh, he does Star Cut, which is uh, his, like, special Shooting Star Cut. That's right. And then, so Yukiona goes down. Yes. She turns giant. Mm -hmm. And she says, like, I'm going to fight all you novices. And then Ninja Man says, novices, us, anger Mm -hmm. explosion. Now, we just found something out from our buddy Cody. 
Oh, yeah. So uh, our buddy Cody had a friend who I don't know how this came up. Except that, like, Cody listens to the podcast and I maybe was, like, talking to a friend of his about it. Uh Because he's got a friend who lived in Japan for, like, a number of years for work. And apparently, uh, not only, you know, there's, like, the novice green greenhorn sort of, like, thing. There is, and I should have done more research on this between when Cody told it to me and now, but I feel like not doing research is a real hallmark of this show, Matt. Yeah, that's what we do. We do two things in this, we do three things in this podcast. We go through the five stars. Yep. We recap the episodes. We do zero research. Yeah. And so, uh, but what this friend said, I can't remember their friend's name, is that I guess in Japan, there is a concept, like there's a word for it, like a specific word for the concept of someone tells you that you can't do something and you're so angry that they have assumed that you can't do it that you like hulk out and their disdain about you not being able to do it like fuels your righteous indignation and actually helps you to accomplish the thing. So, yeah, which, you know, huge if true. Yeah, so Ninja Man is like the living embodiment of this concept. If he is in fact living and not just like a magical construct, which I'm still not sure magical about. Ninja robot construct, I'd be fine either way. So they, he goes giant, he turns into Samurai Man, they summon Mateki Shogun, or not Mateki no, Shogun, yeah, Kakurei uh, Dai Shogun. And then Yuki Ona does the greatest summoning spell that has ever been done. Yes. First of all, she makes it snow. Yep. So to sort of like set the stage. Which is cool. And then she summons two giant snowmen. Now these giant snowmen are identical to the very, very boring snowmen. Except. Well, they have arms sticking out of the side and legs coming out of the bottom. Yep. And also, these snowmen are no longer bored. Right. Because now they are angry. Which you can tell... Because there are just, like, angry eyebrows drawn on the faces. That's the only thing that's different. And so they just, like, run out. And you could, like, their arms, the snowmen are so wide that people can't, that the actors that are inside can't get their whole arms out. So it's just from the elbows down, I think. And they're just, like, wandering around, like, waving their arms. uh, And, like, kind of slapping at Ninja Man and Kakurei Dai Shogun. And this is the moment, when they're being slapped by the snowmen, that Yuki Ona... Throw, like, does an attack that shoots a ton of snowballs at the both of them. That's To, like, right. knock them off balance. Okay, this is where I missed it because I was looking at something else. Probably a baby. And then mm. when I looked back, they were just frozen. Right. So she then does, like, the freeze Sorry. breath that she they had done They were wrapped up in saran wrap. They were wrapped up in saran wrap and then, like, with some white spray paint sort of kind of thrown on top of the saran wrap but to it make plays. it look like ice. Oh, no. Like, you look at it and you know exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So, they're all frozen, mm-hmm. but... Oh, and like, yeah, Yukion is coming in for the kill when they're frozen. But then, just as she's about to hit them, a giant fiery sword comes out, like, just off of off-screen, and then a fist comes from off-screen and knocks Yukion in the head and sends her flying back, and Muteki Shogun is here. Dude, I love, like... I love the dude who does the voice for Muteki Shogun. Yeah. Because yeah, it's just like the, the line, Muteki Shogun is here! And it's so like heroic and powerful. Yeah. Uh, so Muteki Shogun is here. He drops flaming sword. Yeah. And also the flame from his sword melts oh, that's right. the ice Freeze that was them. on Samurai Man and Kakurei Dai Shogun. Yeah. So now everyone is free. Right. So Samurai Man uses Rage Cut and Kakurei Dai Shogun uses Iron Fist Flying Finish. And mm-hmm. that, at this point, this is the end of right. Yukiona. Like, that's it for her. So, uh, when she dies, the snow mandala disappears. Right. Uh, the people are safe again. Everybody's cool. They untransform from bored snowmen back into uh, to regular people. The police officer who had been moved to uh, his a... name is His name is Officer Murata, Matt. Officer Murata um, has been moved to a... Show a little respect. A, a freezer car uh somewhere and so when he transforms back like first of all he's not wearing shoes because he was wearing rollerblades because he had been wearing rollerblades and he had to take them off because he had no idea how to rollerblade so he just is wearing his socks standing on ice and immediately is like oh no it's It's freezing cold and he walks out of this remote location of the the industrial freezer that he's been stashed in Mm -hmm. secretly by the way and his family is waiting for him well i'm sure they told the family Uh, i mean i guess okay clearly they did (laughs) But his family is just waiting there for him. And his kids are like, 
dad, like we get it. Like we understand and we love you now. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, happy, and that's, that's basically it for that. We cut away to like a cliffside where the cocky rangers are staring out onto some misty mountains. And Sasuke says, the spring is still a distant future, but spring will come. Let's keep fighting until the end. Yeah. And again, like, he's saying that as though they're in, like, the depth of winter. It looks like a very pleasant spring day. Yeah, none of them are even wearing jackets. Right, they're just (laughs) chilling out. It's like the sun is shining. There's no snow on the ground. Uh, Yeah, so that is, uh, that's it, man. That's the end of the episode. That's it for the episode. Just so good. I love this episode. This was very fun. Um, But that's not it for our episode, Dave. True, man. Because we need to uh, decide how... Um, Yuki Ona were fair in the creature royale. Okay, so how do we feel about Yuki Ona? Just like, give me a gut check. Uh, you know, I dig her. I dig her plan. I, I, you know, I feel like I say this too much, but I really feel like kind of somewhere in the middle. Okay, so like when you say somewhere in the middle, let's try to find a comparable... Um, she doesn't stand out to me in the same way that like... Sickle Weasel does. Okay, so Sickle Weasel is currently at number uh, 29. Okay. So run run me down a few for her. Okay, so after Sickle, Sickle Weasel, we've got... Lieutenant Shiryu's in there somewhere, isn't he, right? Um, Lieutenant Shiryu, I think, is actually a little above that. Below the Sickle Weasel, who is Kama Itachi. Thank you. Um, we've got the Shooting Doji Brothers... Okay, love those guys. We've got uh, Kyokigan, the disease monster. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Oboro Gumura, the taxi driver. Uh, Shiro Niri, the rag strangler. Okay, dude. Shiro Niri. Oh, and that's when that is when we hit Lieutenant Shiryu. That's right. Okay, so I mean, here's the here's and, the thing. And directly below that, by the way, is Dara Dara. Okay, so Yuki Ona has a cool plan. And I dig that she turns people into bored snowmen. Yes. But her Great look, visual. Her look is kind of lame. Uh, her look is very, like... It's just sort of like evil ice, evil ice princess. Yes, it's a very evil ice princess. But then like, her yokai form is just that exact same thing, and she has, like, a mask on and some hand, hand prosthetics. Yeah, like her which... Her look isn't that cool. Which, I feel like we get that a lot with a lot of the, like, pretty lady yokai... Because the yeah. second, like, the the woman um, umbrella yokai. Oh, yeah. Like, was very much just, like, she was a pretty lady umbrella person. And then, and then she transformed into a pretty lady umbrella person with, like, a, like a, a face made out of rubber masks. Yeah. So, her look isn't super great. I like that she turns people into bored snowmen. I mean, her look is very much, like, mid-90s ice-themed mini-boss from a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, crushed it. Uh and so, but she's not super successful with it. And her like crazy high magic thing that she tried to do was kind of lame. Yeah. So as an episode, it was super fun. And I, I liked her giant fight a lot more than I like a lot of a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. other okay, giant that fights. is points in her favor. So because usually by the time we get to like the giant robot, it's fight, basically over. Yeah, like there's nothing really happening. But this one actually gave us some cool elements that we don't normally get. Yeah. So, so roll me down from Lieutenant Shiryu. Well, after Lieutenant Shiryu, we've got Dara Dara. Okay. We've got the Mirror Mas- the Master Mirror. Okay. We've got the Pachinko Master. Dude, Pachinko Master. We've got the uh, the three jewelry priestesses from Die Ranger. I don't. I think they're cooler. Um, okay, so after that, we've got Chachinkozo, the Ghost Lantern, who summoned all the ghosts earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's cooler. He's good, dude. Actually, just low on the list. I was gonna say, maybe my initial thing was kind of my first gut check was wrong. Drop me down like 10 paces. Where okay. does that put us? Nirakabe, the, the wall dude. Okay. And then right above that is Kappa and Rokorokabi. Then we got Traffic Light Dimension. Well, listen, man, Yuki Ona does not have the panache of Kappa and Rokorokabi. Okay, after. I feel like she's gotta be better than Nirakabe, right? The wall guy? Dude, he built that, like, crazy living whole crazy maze thing. Yeah, but that, like, at least Yuki Ona had a plan to, like, had an endgame plan. Okay, okay. Like, Nirakabe was just 
bothering children. Okay, so let's say, and actually, better than Kappa and Rokuro could be on that on that front too. So I don't like her plan. Actually, I, okay, here's what I'd say. I would put her just below Bakaneko because Bakaneko also had a great end game where she was going to dry everything out. Mm-hmm. She's also like a crazy lady, but I don't think I don't think Yukiona is quite as cool. Oh, drying everything out—that's not Bakaneko. That's Sunakakebaba. Oh, that's right. So Bakaneko would... was the cat lady who oh, was ran eating the B&B. people. That's right. Okay, so then uh, Sunakakebaba. I think she's just below Sunakakebaba. Okay, cool. So that will put her on our list at number. 45. How about that? All right. So uh, I think that is it for us, Matt, right? Yep. That is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cockerranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or if you want to check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate, subscribe, review over there, or your podcatcher of choice, because that is what's going to help new people find the program. Yep. Uh, speaking of the program, it is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, you can find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.